This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, September 28, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. Recent comments from Defense Secretary Mattis indicate that if the U.S. has a strategy in Afghanistan, that strategy doesn't have any metrics for success attached to it. What does that mean, if not ever more prolonged war in Afghanistan? Cato's Chris Preble comments. This is from a release from the U.S. Department of Defense. Uh... Yeah, it was a press availability on the plane, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the question was, what are some of the metrics for your success in Afghanistan? And Secretary Mattis responds, I'm not prepared to give those yet because I need to get to Afghanistan. I need to sit down in Brussels with the other nations and talk with them together about what the metrics are and make certain uh, that we all put our heads together on this. So uh, once I have that, I'll get very specific. It seems, don't we already have a strategy for Afghanistan? No, I, I think that this, uh, these remarks, very you know, candid, unscripted remarks by Secretary Mattis, um, prove rather decisively that we don't actually have a strategy in Afghanistan. We have, we have again. There's a difference between goals or aspirations or sort of desired end states, those have all been stated. Um, but the actual strategy for getting from here to there is unclear. Is um, it possible that the United States has a strategy with respect to Afghanistan that simply doesn't involve the war coming to an end? And so metrics uh, aren't all that important. I think so. I mean, I, I think that if you read through not merely the president's speech last month, but also sort of the commentary surrounding the speech, what ostensibly differentiated President Trump's approach to Afghanistan from President Obama's in particular, but to a certain extent also President Bush's, is that there is no end state. There is no um, time limit for the number of troops, for, for how long troops will remain in Afghanistan, which means sort of by definition that the end state is a persistent U.S. presence in the country of Afghanistan. There's a reason why um, going back to the middle 2000s, uh, when various advocates for U.S. military intervention in places like Afghanistan and Iraq uh, pointed to Germany, Japan, and South Korea as the models for U.S. military intervention that, that were worthy of emulation. That is, there are still troops in these countries and therefore that is evidence of the success of our strategy. I always found that argument to be utterly appalling. Um, I thought that um, – and I think that many Americans agree. Most interesting, I think once upon a time, Donald Trump agreed. Uh, I think that the things that he said well before he was a candidate for the presidency about Afghanistan reflected uh, a wider uh, public sentiment here in the United States that this war had already gone on too long, that the goals were murky and that the benefits that we were deriving were not nearly uh, outweighed by the costs and the risks. All right. So, But that leaves open the possibility that Donald Trump, in, as he has in many instances, uh, is not opposed to uh, long-term occupation 
Uh, he is opposed merely to not being paid for that occupation. Right. Well, if that's the case, then he's picked the wor one of the worst countries in the world to actually pay the United States for our presence there because Afghanistan remains one of the poorest countries on the planet. Um, and it seems highly unlikely to me that um, the Afghan government, the Afghan people will ever be in a position uh, to to compensate Uncle Sam for services rendered. Again, I think you can argue on a, on a different level why it's not a good idea to think of U.S. military presence in places like Germany, Japan, and South Korea as uh, as a protection racket, as what what something we should merely get paid for. But in the case of Afghanistan, it's particularly wrong-handed. Uh, again, simply by virtue of the fact that this is a very poor country and will likely remain a very poor country for a long time. So what – we should have had metrics before we had a strategy of any kind and – Not well, the, oh, Hold on a second. Well, well, not necessarily. Again, if if the object of the shift in strategy is to make the American people comfortable with a long-term presence in this country, then maybe you don't want metrics. Maybe you don't want to be measuring on a quarterly or yearly basis – um, what you're tracking towards. Maybe the object is to prepare the ground for an open-ended, physical, on-the-ground presence by uh, at least thousands of U.S. troops indefinitely. So in other words, I'm trying to say that, that while I think that Secretary Mattis's comments were sort of offered in the spirit that they appear to be, which is just, you know, he was speaking honestly, candidly with a group of reporters on the plane saying we haven't, you know, discussed this yet. I haven't talked about this in Afghanistan. I haven't talked about it with our NATO partners in Brussels. Um, and yet, if you look at the, the, the message that President Trump has been sending and, and others in his administration, um, uh, th they don't want the talk to be about metrics at all. What should the metrics be with respect to uh, exit from Afghanistan, if that, if that actually were the goal? Right. Well, if that were the goal, then I think that we should have left six months after we went in. Um, as I've been saying for years now, the, the object of the U.S. intervention in Afghanistan after 9-11 was crystal clear. Uh, the object was to disrupt al-Qaeda's training camps and base of operation inside of Afghanistan. It was to uh, punish the Taliban for knowingly uh, giving safe harbor to al-Qaeda and it was to send a message to every other uh, country and regime around the world, don't harbor uh, terrorists who wish harm against the United States. Those three missions were accomplished in a matter of months. Um, since then, uh, the mission has, has changed and evolved and morphed. Uh, to the point where it's virtually uh, so, sort of it's, it's difficult to to state with any clarity uh, what we're actually trying to achieve. The, what the administration would say, what President Trump would say, is we wish to create a Afghanistan that is capable of standing on its own, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But the, again, on the other hand. There's no evidence that standing on their own will mean not having U.S. troops side by side with them for an indefinite period of time. President Trump, as a candidate, because of what he said with respect to Afghanistan and other wars like it, could have come into office and said, 
I am going to do what I said I was going to do. I am going to depart from my predecessors, especially Barack Obama, but also to an extent Bush 43. I am going to withdraw U.S. forces from Afghanistan and focus on uh, counterterrorism operations in a different way and focus more generally on nation building at home, uh, making America great. He arguably had a mandate to do precisely that, whereas Barack Obama's mandate perversely was to expand the war in Afghanistan. Even that, and once he came into office, he sort of regretted having, I think, regretted having made that promise. But the fact that Donald Trump, of all people, uh, felt that he could not end the war in Afghanistan suggests to me that no American president will ever be able to end the war in Afghanistan because no American president will ever want to leave Afghanistan in anything less than an unadulterated, clear victory for the United States. And it seems to me highly unlikely that that will ever materialize. And so we have the, the specter of defeat looming over uh, the mission there and and we're just holding out hope for something in the future that looks more clearly like victory and I think that's why it's so open-ended. If it's true that this is merely a, 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 a sort of a face-saving gesture, if we're merely going to leave troops there because no one wants to be the one responsible for withdrawing them and whatever bad that happens after, then I think we owe it to those troops to ensure that they are uh, protected from harm. If the mission that they're taking, undertaking is not actually contributing to U.S. national security but it is merely political cover, then it would be particularly wrongheaded um, at, and I, would, I could use a stronger term um, to, for them to be risking their lives on a daily basis for what is ultimately a political decision. Chris Preble is Vice President for Defense and Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Attend online or in person Cato's event on October 10th Afghanistan going forward, surge, negotiate, or get out. Follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.